And ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Sporting Chance Podcast with your host, Matt Marateo, talking about Philly sports, more sports, beer, life in general, and whatever the heck else seems to come to mind. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, hello. Welcome again to another edition of the Sporting Chance Podcast. I am Matt Maritaya. And as always, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the podcast, I want to remind you all, head on over to Lanafee.com. Just check out some of their equipment, some of their workout gear, notebooks, lanyards, protein shakers, any of that stuff is going to help put you over the edge in trying to take a step forward with your fitness goals, your fitness style, your fitness, you know, whatever it is. If you want to do something in fitness, do it wearing Lanafee. Uh, trust me, gear is awesome. Have some of it myself. Would not rave about it if I did not really, really enjoy uh, using it. So head on over there. Remember to use my code Maritea, that's my last name, M-A-R-A-T-E-A, in order to get yourself uh, and myself maybe a little something extra, some uh, some of that goodness. Anyway, moving on, let's get into the podcast. Got the ad down to like just over a minute. So, it is October 3rd right now. Yeah, October 3rd right now. Thursday night, watching some football. Uh, Clay Matthews penalized again for <laughs> pass uh, for roughing the passer. Uh, but that's not really what I care about right now. Football is not exactly uh, paramount on my mind. Sure, the Eagles have a game coming up, but it's against the Jets, so they're pretty much guaranteed to win. Uh, we're not even sure if Sam Darnold is playing. The only thing we really know is that the Eagles are in desperate need of cornerbacks. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. They make a move for Jalen Ramsey if they try to bring somebody else in. Yeah, it doesn't really matter at this point because they are, like I said, playing the Jets. Everything looks good. Everything looks calm over there in Eagle land. So I'm just going to leave them there, right? But it's October. And October means hockey, and hockey means the Flyers. So, the orange and black are starting. It is October. Time for orange and black everywhere, because it's Halloween season. So, what pairs well with Flyers hockey? Pumpkin beers. Yep, I said it. Pumpkin beers. It's the male pumpkin spice latte, let's be honest. And I've got one with me today that I'm going to be cracking open momentarily just wanted to tell you what's on the docket we got flyers a little bit of sixers talk some ufc 243 picks uh i'm gonna touch on the phillies even though i don't want to uh some local philadelphia boxing uh kind of an update on that and what i'm doing there and then we'll go to our beer review after we pop that open but what i want to start with uh is the phillies I'm just going to say they've been a disaster as of late. Um, we don't know what's going on. John Middleton seems to be sort of reevaluating the leadership of 
uh, his GM in Matt Clintac and his team president, Andy McPhail, doesn't seem to trust either of their instincts at this particular moment. So we'll see if he makes a move to get rid of them, if he makes a move on Gabe Kapler. I don't think anything is going to happen this week. I think at earliest it's going to be next week, maybe not even Monday next week. So we'll see what happens there. But it seems like John Middleton is now sort of trying to take control of the Phillies and be a more active owner despite not being a traditional baseball guy. And... You know, I don't really think that that's a problem. In fact, I think that's good. I think active ownership uh, tends to be engaged ownership, and that can lead to you know, just uh, you know, a more valuable product that'll get on the field, and a more more of an emphasis that is placed on getting the right people in play, which clearly did not happen this season for the Phillies to basically finish a game or two over five hundred. Or maybe just 500. I don't even remember. It was a disappointing year. Uh, all credit goes to the guys that were consistent all year, like Bryce Harper, JT Romuto, Cesar Hernandez. Uh, big ups to Adam Halsley, Hazley, who stepped up in a big way and proved that he could play at a major league level. Everybody else, eh. Gene Segura underperformed. Third base was a disaster. Scott Kingery was good, but... You know, he's not playing to his full potential yet. <sighs> Reese Hoskins was terrible. Pitching was awful for the most part. Uh, yeah. And that's really about all you can say. The, the most fun part of the whole season was when Charlie Manuel got rehired as the hitting coach. <laughs> I mean, when that's sort of, when that's your season highlight, that and the Grand Slam against Chicago to win the game by Harper. Other than that, I mean, it was sort of a meaningless year. Uh, you know, a lot of money was spent and nothing was accomplished. So, yeah, what are you going to do? That's just the way that this year seemed to go for the Phillies. And, uh, screw it, let's get the Sixers out of the way too because I don't have a lot to say about them other than they're finally practicing together as a team. Apparently, Embiid's lost 20 pounds Ben Simmons has been working on his shooting consistently, and Brett Brown is encouraging him to take shots. Uh, you know, you've got Al Horford, uh, Jason Richardson, Kyle O'Quinn, Mike Scott, Trey Burke. I mean, a whole revamped bench. Uh, it should be a fun year for the Sixers, but, you know, we'll see. They should be the number one team in the East. Should being the optimum word. They just need everybody to be healthy and everybody to just continue playing and sort of play under the banner that Brett Brown has created, sort of that team basketball, right? Because that's their bread and butter. Ben being able to get his 10 assists a game, get his double-double. Joel being able to get his double-double with his points and his rebounds. And then everybody else being able to compliment them. We'll, We'll see... You know how that works out. I mean, I, you forget about Tobias Harris. He's still on this team, and he could be an elite offensive guy, right? He has the capability to go off at any game, and as long as he works on his defense, I mean, it, the, ideally, the Sixers should be a nightmare to play almost every game. I mean, they're going to be one of the longest teams in NBA history, uh, right? They're combined. <laughs> Lineup is probably somewhere around 
700 inches when you add them up all together. I mean, it's completely bonkers how tall they are. I mean, the smallest guy in their lineup is, what, 6'6"? Six, six? I mean, really, that's the smallest guy that they have, 6'6". Six, six. So, you know, when it comes down to it, the Sixers should be beasts in the East, but we will see. And that's it. That's, yeah, all the sports that don't have a whole lot going on. <sighs> well, I've made it through 835. I think I got to reward myself. Now, for those of you following along at home with my beer journey, and you know, I already sort of alluded to it. It's a pumpkin beer. This is from Heavy Seas uh, Beer. It's a company that down in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, so, East Coast, I like to sort of stick to that theme. It's the Greater Pumpkin. It is a pumpkin ale brewed with pumpkin and spices aged in bourbon barrels. So, oh yeah, that just hits all the hallmarks for me. Uh, pumpkin, Charlie Brown reference, bourbon. I mean, yeah. If you go to their website, this is sort of how it is described. In the most worthy of pumpkin patches and during the silence of the midnight hour. The greater pumpkin rises up and pours a rich, deep, and burnished orange color. Heady aromas of bourbon, cinnamon, ginger, allspice, and clove linger seductively over the thick white head of this tremendous brew. Its love at first sip is a full malt body dominated by British crystal malt. Brown sugar and pumpkin slowly washes over your tongue. Bourbon barrel aging rounds out the flavors with notes of oak, vanilla, and bourbon. Pairs well with a crisp autumn weather, crunchy fallen leaves, and the knowledge that your kids will be asleep soon so you can raid their Halloween candy bags. Uh, this is a beer I picked up, a uh, four-pack over in Trano's liquor store. I gotta say, I love that they're, they have such a great selection. This is Bourbon Barrel Age Pumpkin Ale, 10% ABV, only available in September and October, so get it quickly. Proper glassware suggested is a snifter, which I don't have. I should probably get one. Anyway, that's not really the point right now, but I got to crack this bottle open and yeah, it sounded like that got picked up. Anyway, that's up and going into my glass. I picked a fancier glass, so at least that'll work. May not be a snifter, but you know what is. And that is actually really pretty, and you got a really a nice head on that one. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a very photogenic beer, certainly, especially when you pair it with the bottle. Uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's got a great little smell to it. Wow, yeah. So, cheers. Yep. Okay, yeah. Pumpkin definitely comes to the forefront along with all those other spices. I'm getting a lot of clove and some of that ginger and allspice that they talked about. Uh, yeah, that's definitely all coming through. I'm getting a little bit of bourbon. It's got sort of the heat, uh, if you will. That type of thing. So... 
anyway, I'm just going to let that settle out, let that warm a little bit, like you should, um, sort of with a beer, especially one that's made like this, you want it to rise in temperature a degree or two. So while it's doing that, I'm going to heat up on my Flyers talk. Now, immediately right out of the gate, people are already unhappy because it's Flyers land. This is what we do. We're an unhappy group of peoples, right? We're not the type that seems to uh, be able to just, you know, sit back and enjoy things the way that they are. Because Morgan Frost got hurt, so he didn't make the team. He's in the AHL. Joel Farabee didn't make the team. Sort of a paper transaction because we don't know what's going on with Nolan Patrick. And Phil Myers, another sort of paperish transaction. He needs a little more seasoning. He's not ready basically for full-time NHL work because he's still very inconsistent with his play. Fair enough, right? I think no one would really disagree with those assessments. But people are freaking out because uh, Connor Bunneman and Carson Torensky uh, are the two guys who are going to get the call early in the season, despite the fact that general manager Chuck Fletcher has said that there's going to be a lot of movement, especially early in the year, between the AHL and the big club. So we're giving two guys who have spent time in the AHL already, have been playing pro hockey, yeah, a little bit of a look for, you know, yeah, for that chance. I'm okay with that. I mean, there's no reason why that should be a bad thing, right? To have guys who are maybe a little bit further ahead in their pro development and adjusting to the pro lifestyle take the first, you know, call up. Because they're the ones that are hungry. They're the ones that are desperate. Neither of them are first-round picks. Like Frost and Farabee, they don't have the pedigree. They're They're not basically guaranteed to get a good look. They need... To be given the time, essentially. So that's something that's been going around a lot in Flyers Twitter that's kind of bothered me. Uh, The other thing that's going on is uh, people complaining about line combinations, defensive pairings. Yeah, we get it. Nobody wants Robert Hag to be paired with Shane Goss's pair. I don't either, but worst case scenario, it's for a game or two. I mean, uh, Elaine Vigneault is the new coach. Mike Yo is a new defensive coach for them. Michel Therrien, whose name I can't say without you know putting on a French accent, I'm sorry, is a new coach for them. These guys need to basically see a little bit of everything going on, you know, before they decide that you know what they're going to go with. And Seattle just ran the stupidest play. I mean, I'm not even going to get into that one, but that was god awful. But we need to see everything as a coach, right? You need to see every combination to see how they fit, how they work. And you're going to need to see the game speed, which they really haven't. The preseason has been weird, and they never got a great look at anybody, I don't think. At least, you know, anybody who's going to start consistently as a pro. And they had to go over to Europe. They had to play a European team on European ice. Now they're playing the Blackhawks. They're like the last people to play their first game. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon in front of a Czech crowd where it's basically just everybody rooting for Voracek, which is so not something that he's used to. (laughs) But, you know, 
it is what it is. This is the way that the Flyers are going to start the season, and they have to have a good start to the season because that's that has been what's killed them the last two years. They would have, uh, I guess, two years ago, they probably could have been in a better playoff position had they had a good start. And then last year, they may not have had to, you know, scratch and claw their way for every point had they actually, you know, had a halfway decent start to their season. But no. They had the disaster, disaster start and it got Dave Haxtell fired. So maybe it was a good thing after all. But either way, this team is pretty much going to rely on its goaltending, I think. Uh, and the expectations for Carter Hart are very high. He's, you know, the next greatest goalie ever for the Flyers. He's the new Bernie, you know, whatever you want to say. He's a young kid. He's going to win his first full year of pro. He's going to be in his second, I mean, his first full NHL year, his second, you know, go around at the NHL level. He's going to need time to adjust and he's going to have struggles, uh, especially going from just, you know, the eighth goalie up to, you know, full-time starter. He's, you know, he's probably going to start 50 games. You would expect that because they have a more experienced backup in Brian Elliott, who they can throw, you know, maybe even not 50 games, maybe he's more like 45, and they can give Brian Elliott 35 games. But they're going to have to use, you know, them smartly, because they don't want to get into a situation where they have to use a lot of goalies, or they have to, you know, spell the goalies every so often, because the backups aren't that strong. When you get past Elliott, you get Alex Lyon or J.F. Barube, and you don't want those guys seeing time at the NHL level, it's going to come down to management, right? Expectations and load management. It's a lot like a goaltender is sort of like an NBA center at this point. When you're talking about a guy like Joel Embiid, minutes that they play, games that they play, NHL goalies is much the same thing. You got to control their minutes. You got to control the amount of games that they play, the amount of games that they play in a row. So we're going to see a fair amount of Brian Elliott, I believe. Uh, you know, I don't think Carter Hart's going to win any awards. I don't think he's going to lose awards. I don't think he's going to be awful. I think he'll be a good goaltender. He's going to need to be great at times, and we'll see if he's able to do that. We know he's good. We'll see if there's greatness in there. I think that is really what we're going to find out over the course of this season when it comes to Carter Hart and his play. Brian Elliott, we know what he is. We also know that he sort of plays well when he has that young guy playing in front of him and he's the backup, as evidenced by how he basically cost Jake Allen his job in St. Louis. But that's a whole nother thing, so we'll see. Hmm. That is good. Yeah, that was uh, just another sip there that pumpkin Woof. that's gonna be fun to sort of uh, delve into a little bit deeper next thing i want to talk about is i want to talk i'll do some ufc picks now ufc 243 coming up uh this one uh should be a fun card it is over there in melbourne australia uh Robert Whitaker, being from New Zealand, he's the home favorite over Azrael Adesanya, the interim champion. 
style bender, the guy who's, you know, basically people are sort of calling like the 185 pound John Jones when it comes to striking. So we'll see, you know, how that goes. But I've got some quick picks for you because I haven't been following too, too closely. And this isn't exactly the most thrilling card. Uh, like heavyweight bout on the main card, uh, Justin Taffa versus Jorgen De Castro. What? Exactly. I'm going to go Taffa. I'm going to be picking a lot of home guys. Uh, you know, he's at home. I like him there. Diego Lima versus Luke Jomo. I like Lima, former uh, Ultimate Fighter winner. Taya Tiavusa, he's not going to lose at home. He's going to do a shooey after he knocks out Sergey Spivak. Now, here's an actual fight that uh, could go interestingly. Number six, Ally Quinta versus number 15, Dan Hooker. In the lightweight division, I think it's a very compelling matchup. Um, Hooker is going to have to try very hard to get Ayat Quinta on the ground. Iaquinta is a very good boxer, so it's going to be a slugfest. I think Iaquinta is still good enough to pull out a victory over these young guys. I think he's good enough just to start hold, just to hold them off a little bit longer. And I think he's got to realize this is sort of his last shot to try to climb up that lightweight mountain. So I'm going to give the nod to Iaquinta. I think he's going to be able to pull off the win. So uh, good looks to him. And then Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya. This is all the main card, by the way. Undercard's not really worth talking about. Uh, Robert Whitaker is the champ. Probably shouldn't have been the champ. I think he lost that second fight to Yoel Romero, but that's a you know neither here nor there. Israel Adesanya is a much better striker than Romero, and Romero seemed to outstrike Whitaker in their last fight. Whitaker's not exactly a guy who's going to take the fight to the ground. He may try to against Adesanya. But I don't think Adesanya is uneducated on the ground, so it's probably not a great idea to do that either. Uh, strictly speaking, Whitaker has fought so infrequently lately that you don't almost don't really know what he has in the tank right now. You don't know if he has the ability to go with a striker like Israel. Because also, we've never seen somebody like him. I mean, and the beating that Kelvin Gastelum put on him, uh, it was remarkable that he was able to come back from that in such a rise, in such a short occasion, right? In his career, he's barely been around two years. But I just... This is one of those kids who has that sort of meteoric rise, and I don't see him stopping for whatever reason. I just, I believe that this is going to be his time. He's going to do it. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, so uh, just recapping the picks, I got uh, Tafa, Lima, Tayavusa, Ayaquinta, and Adesanya. So, good job and good luck to everybody there. That one's going to be on ESPN Plus, 10 o'clock. Um, also... A little bit of boxing stuff. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, a.k.a. Triple G, is going to be in action. Uh, you know, this weekend. So, we'll see how that goes. 
Gennady Golovkin is fighting Sergei Devoronchenko, uh, and people seem to believe that Golovkin is going to be you know, in for a tough fight, and I agree with that. Devoronchenko is a guy who's a he's a very good fighter, and this is for the vacant IBF middleweight world title. Uh, you know, Triple G is now thirty-seven. He's going to eventually start slowing down. Uh, this may put some age on him. I, you know, you don't know if this is going to affect the, you know, uh, affect anything for Triple G. I mean, if he doesn't look good, he probably won't get the trilogy against Canelo. But he's got Demetrius Andrade to fight uh, Billy Joe Saunders. He can go to. 160. Danny Jacobs is at 168. Uh, Cullum Smith. So we'll see. I don't think Devoronchenko is. I mean, I don't necessarily think he stands a chance. Uh, it's going to be a Triple G win, one would think. But, you know, uh, it's still compelling and interesting to watch if you're someone who just happens to have DAZN. Like I am. Uh, but you know, I'm going to be at work that night anyway. So uh, we'll see. Or unless that's tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. Anyway. If it is tomorrow, I'm going to be busy anyway. Because I am going to be down at the 2300 Arena. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Check it out. The Russell Peltz. The Peltz Boxing 50th Anniversary Show and Celebration. It is a nine-fight card. Uh, it's going to be really fun. Uh... You know, and it's celebrating uh, Jay Russell Peltz, who uh, the head of Peltz Boxing Promotions, matchmaker extraordinaire, uh, international and world boxing Hall of Fame member Russell Peltz. Uh, you know, he's a guy who, if you've followed boxing around the city any time in the last fifty years, you know who he is. He's matchmaker promoter. Uh, he was director of boxing for the Spectrum. Uh, he put on a bunch of legendary fights over at the Blue Horizon. Uh, he worked in Atlantic City with uh, Arturo Gatti. Uh, he did all those things. And now he's still, even uh, pushing 73 years old, uh, he's still out there matchmaking fights and getting things organized. Picking up fighters at the train station, uh, if you saw on Twitter t uh, this week. Also, uh, co-promoting the event is Raging Babe Events and Michelle Rosado. Uh, she's one of the hardest working people in the business. Uh, she's really all, uh, helped me coordinate everything that I needed to get done media-wise for this fight. Uh, always available, always on Twitter, talking boxing, uh, you know, sharing stories, everything like that. Uh, just one of the real good, good people in the sport. Uh, it's an honor to sort of, you know, for me... As somebody who wants to be in the sports journalism game or, you know, wants to be covering sports and athletes and is still trying to find their way, you know, uh, sort of making this a more than a job, more than, you know, wants to make this something that fits into my lifestyle. Uh, the ability and access that people like this 
give me is always appreciated. And I got to talk to the man himself, Russell Peltz. Uh, 45 minutes I interviewed him. Um, you know, it was one of those things I felt like I learned as much as I've ever learned at one time about boxing. And it made me realize that I, I, I sometimes I feel like I know almost nothing. Uh, sometimes it's really incredible what you can learn from talking to someone who's been in the business uh, for 50 years. Yeah, just what they can impart, uh, just the information that these people still have stored up in there. And you see the time and the dedication that it takes to really be a professional. And you know, I just have all the respect in the world uh, for Mr. Peltz and what he's done. And I'm super excited for this fight card that he's put on. Um, if you want to check out some pieces of the interview, head over to Yellow Jacket Media or the Yellow Jacket Network. Uh, I just posted it today. Um, there's also a link there for tickets. You can still get them uh, if you want. There's expecting a pretty good walk up crowd, too. So, uh, you know, make sure you get down to the 2300 Arena or get online tonight. Uh, today, grab the tickets. It's going to be a nine fight card. Okay, we got a heavyweight bout, seven and zero. Charette Delgado facing on against Joe Caldy. Uh, he's eight three and two, but he's a guy who's you know not to be underestimated in that division. He's young, he's new, he's still sort of learning boxing. Shamar Fulton, he's undefeated, three zero and one against Leonardo Kenon, three and seven. You know, an experienced guy. You know, got to throw out the record on that one. Vinny Denario is entertaining as hell. I've seen him fight before versus uh, Salute Shiafula Jihad Wise. Uh, once again, throw out the records on that one. Those two are going to bang. Rakeem Dyer uh, is going to be a good foil for Shenard Bunch, who could be a fighter to watch in the future. That dude hits vicious. Uh, Christopher Burgos versus Tyree Arnold should be entertaining as heck. Those are two guys who are just getting their career started off. Haven't gotten you know, stumbled early, but have shown really, really well. Ansnell Charles and Gerardo Martinez beat the heck out of each other in their first fight. We're going to see them go six rounds this time and settle out who is the better fighter once and for all. Marcel Rivers just stumbled, but he's a... Very smooth, very good boxer. He's facing Sidney uh, Macau, who, I mean, watch out for him. But he wins. He wins Vicious, right? And then Isaiah Wise versus Roque Zapata. That should be very interesting. And then the headliner is super lightweight, Victor Padilla. The dude described by Peltz himself a stone-cold killer, a murderer, a monster, right? One of the most vicious guys that he's working with right now against Romain Thomas. He's a Frenchman, okay? But that doesn't mean he should be underestimated, right? I know, I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid, okay? He's a guy that's come over to America sort of to make his name, okay? He's not winning fights in France, right? And then building up his record. He came over here and he's beaten up Americans uh, in order to try to get his name out there. But just knocked off an undefeated fighter in Omar Boudreau. So Romain Thomas is not a guy to take lightly and a guy that Padilla is going to have issues with and is going to have to figure out. Uh, I'd love the idea of 
you know, this card. There are competitive fights throughout. Nobody seems like they're going to get steamrolled. And that's the idea. That is what I spent a lot of the interview talking uh, to Russell Peltz about. The idea of putting on competitive fights that people want to watch. Because you're going to have to shell out maybe $50, $75, $100 for a ticket. Okay, and then you may have to pay for parking. You got to go out and pay for, you know, it may cost you a little bit of gas money. If you got kids, maybe you've got to get a sitter, right? Going to a boxing match is still a night out, right? Even though you may not have to get dressed up anymore, right? But at the same time, you have to make it worth these people's while. In addition to making it worth worth it for the fighters, right? You have to give people competitive matchups that make them want to come back, that make you know, even if a guy loses, you learn something about him, or a fan remembers his name if they see him come up on a card and they, oh wow, yeah, no, he's pretty good. He almost won the last time I saw him. Or if a guy does win, you want him to look like he's challenged. So it doesn't, you, know, you just want to see a competition. You don't want to see people steamrolled. You don't want to see. Sometimes you want to see a, you know, quick knockout or somebody get popped. But you don't just want it to be that instant, you know. And that was one of the things I talked about with Mr. Peltz, uh, Russell, as he made me call him. Uh, it was a really fascinating interview. Uh, if any, if anybody ever wants to talk about it, I'll talk about it uh, to death. Uh, or just check out the story, learn more there. Um, I mean, he's got me going back on YouTube watching uh, Benny Briscoe highlights. Man, if you want to go down a deep boxing rabbit hole, go down the Benny Briscoe one and check out some of his fights. Like his fight against Marvelous, Mar- uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler in the Spectrum, August 24th, 1978. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, anyway, that's all I got to talk about sports-wise. Uh, remember to check out the 50th anniversary show. Check out my interview on yellowjacket.com with Mr. Peltz himself. And check out Greater Pumpkin from Heavy Seas Brewing. I'm going to jump right into this beer here, people, uh, because I've been smelling it. I've been tasting it. Sip, sip, sip. Man, it's good. I mean, it's fall. It's starting to get a little cooler. Uh, You know, got kids screaming. uh, Candy flying all over the place, right? So 10%. Uh, will go a long way. Some of the the things that we mentioned earlier, uh, like I said, uh, I'm getting ginger allspice clove. Those are kind of hanging around here. I'm getting some of that oak and that bourbon, a little bit of the heat from there, and it, you know, it, it's a warming beer. Uh, you know, if you don't like bourbon, then you may not like this one. Uh, yeah, if you don't like ginger, allspice, clove, again, this one may be one that sort of turns you off. But if this is sort of, if you're a bourbon-aged, uh, bourbon barrel-aged type of beer person, this one is for you. This is the type of fall beer uh, that you are really going to enjoy. Uh, I know I am right now. Uh, you know, it's pretty to look at in the glass. Uh, it's something that sort of pops with the aroma. You you get those little bit of vanilla in the smell if you just sort of breathe it in. Uh, 
brown sugar, I'm not getting as much as I hoped I would. Because that's one of my favorite. But like, I, if it was up to me, I would go way less on the ginger, and you know, I would up the cinnamon and brown sugar. Again, I'm not the brewer, or and even at Zed's, I'm not the brewer. I'm just the assistant. But these are the types of things and the flavors that I'm looking for. Maybe that could be construed as a little more Christmassy. But then again, I think pumpkin pie, at least, or pumpkin flavors, it can be used for everything, right? Uh, think about it. I mean, we shout out pumpkin pie in a Christmas song when you pass around the coffee and the pumpkin pie. We'll be singing along the things without a single stop. Yeah, a fireplace, chestnuts, pop, 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 pop. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to Halloween beers. Uh, you know, this one, it's it's good. I, I'm drinking it still, and I want to have more, and I want... You know, I'm not going to, but I want to pop open another one. Because it, it is warming. It is comforting. It has that sort of familiar aroma. It doesn't taste like a like a pumpkin pie, but it tastes like a cooking of a pumpkin pie or some type of pumpkin themed dessert. More like a more like a pumpkin cookie, right? Those are the ingredients that you would be able to to get. That is uh, sort of kind of my final assessment on that. Uh, if you want a, a pumpkin cookie beer, this one uh, that tastes like you dunked it and. <laughs> A thing of bourbon. This is what you want. The Greater Pumpkin from Heavy Seas. Uh, I'm going to give this beer a flat four out of five. I think that's going to be pretty good. Um, let me just do a quick check on the untapped rating. I'd be shocked if it was higher than that. Uh, these people on untapped tend to be pretty uh, strict when it comes to... Uh, how they rate beers. Yeah, uh, it's a pumpkin. This is a pumpkin or yam beer. Um, and it is given a 3.8 flat out of 200. And, that's the average. Rounded up. After uh, 23,000 check-ins. So I'm sort of there with them. Uh, it's listed as strong, sweet, boozy, smooth, and heavy. Um, yeah. So in total, it's, it's pretty much something I agree with. Um, yeah, and that's it. I'm going to enjoy the rest of this glass. I got about half a left and then a little more left in the bottle or else it would have overflowed. Uh, that's great radio. Uh, you guys definitely needed to know that. Uh, thank you all for hanging in here. Uh, this one is going to end up running about 40 minutes, as you can tell from I mean, looking down at your phones, devices, computers, whatever you're listening to this on. Thank you again for sticking with me. Remember to watch the Flyers tomorrow at 2 o'clock Friday. Uh, remember UFC 243 this weekend, Pelt's 50th anniversary, head on down on the 2300 arena. Buy tickets online through the website. Head on over to Yellow Jacket Media Network. Check out some of our writing there. Um, check out the Instagram page mmaritea77 or sorry, 22 and the Twitter mmaritea22 uh, mmaritea22 across platforms now and the Sport Chance Pod across platforms 
uh, like, rate, subscribe, share. You know, everything you do helps me make the show better, and it helps the algorithm helps things grow. Uh, you know, if I could get some money from the show <laughs> to pay for these beers, that would be fantastic. Because uh, as it turns out, drinking good craft beer can get expensive, guys. Uh, check me out at Zed's. I'll be there on Saturday. Um, apparently brewing a porter this week, so I've heard. Maybe, maybe not. Um, we've got a four for fall series coming out. Uh, apple spice or cinnamon apple spice out right now. Candy apple, uh, sweet tart, uh, salted caramel, and candy corn all coming up. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, have a great uh, time.